Welcome to Backstage with Becca B with special guest Jordan Licks. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Backstage with Becca B. On this episode, this Fresno Pacific University graduate has been in regional productions of shows like Legally Blonde, Dogfight, West Side Story, and more. He's performed in the Radio City Christmas Spectacular, has been in several shows at Walt Disney World in Florida. He made his national tour debut in Wicked, where he understudied Fierro before becoming the lead Fierro. And recently, he made his Broadway debut in Wicked as Fierro. Please welcome Jordan Litz. I'm glad we could make this work, first of all. Yeah, this is great. So finally, nice to sit down and talk. Yes. And thank you so much for agreeing to join me. I actually got to see you on the national tour of Wicked back when um, it reopened. Oh, way back, like in Dallas. In Dallas, yeah, yes. Oh my gosh, Whoa, holy cow, man. That's, I can't even imagine what my fear was like at that point. That was It was so good. It was seven, 700 shows ago, so that's wild. Yeah. Wow, oh my gosh, that's insane. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to get into Wicked and all that because very important. Yeah, of course. Um, but first of all, uh, how has life, how have things been? It's been fantastic. Actually, uh, my wife and I just moved to a new apartment um, on actually the same building, same floor, but just into a different space that's a little bit more baby friendly. So uh, yeah, um, it's stuff. Stuff is everywhere, which is why the camera is faced this way. <laughs> hey, hey! Moving is a process, and it's yes. A they say process. it's one of the most stressful things to do. So it's it's been a fun week. Well, I mean, especially when you're doing eight shows a week on Broadway. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, no doubt. No so doubt. add that, and then it's uh-huh. very stressful. Yeah, very casual week. Yes. So, have you always known that you wanted to be a theater performer? Not at all. I saw that you were no. a swimmer. Yeah, but- yeah. I was a, I was an athlete until I was 24-ish, 25. I, I swam um, all the way through college, a little bit post-college. The dream was to go to the Olympics. I went to the Olympic trials in 2012. I did not make the team or anything like that. I honestly wasn't even close. So after that, I kind of had to reevaluate what what I was good at and what I wanted to do with my life, and if I wanted to wait around for four more years and try again later on, or or move on. And so I decided to to hang up the goggles and and find something new. Wow, wow! Yeah. I mean, and like getting to Olympic trials—that's uh—that's hard even of itself. So like. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to say that, you know, I was in, I was in the same pool as, as Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte and Nathan Adrian and all those like big name swimmers and um, yeah, it's, it's something that I'll be able to tell my kids about down the line, which is pretty cool. Wow. That's, yeah, that's incredible. Do you remember growing up, did you like go to the theater and see shows? Um, no, not really. No, I, I had watched all of the classic um, golden age Broadway musicals like Sound of Music and uh, Carousel and South Pacific and like all of that. So I was aware of musical theater, um, but it was nothing that I ever thought that I would get into, especially consider- when I thought of Broadway, especially growing up i thought of like um fan of the opera and and that sort of style of of music and it's not really necessarily what i do um and so it yeah it was never really on the radar and i also think of broadway performers as being like true triple threats and i was i only knew how to sing really growing up i had never acted to this day i've never taken an acting class and i've never taken a dance class so I've always just kind of um, learned on the job as as I've gone. 
So uh, yeah, it was never really on my radar at all. That's incredibly impressive to be able to pick that up because I feel well, like you know, that's a talent to pick up yeah. like dancing in a rehearsal room. Well, I've always been an athletic person, so um, I'm very body aware. So even if the, the technique isn't necessarily there, I can kind of emulate what someone else is doing and... I, I won't know what it's called. If you use dancing terminology, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I can kind of picture what you're doing and, and sort of recreate it. And the great thing about Fiero in particular is that you kind of have to, and Wicked in general, you kind of have to throw out all of your dance training and, and start from scratch because all of the dancing is very unusual and otherworldly. Um, dancers are used to being turned out and everything is turned in because of like scarecrow movements and stuff like that. So it's so stylized that it's more of stylized movement rather than true technical dancing, which I think plays to my favor because I have no training. So I don't have anything to like unlearn. Wow. I mean, but you, I'm going to get into this later, but you are also cast as the understudy originally. So yeah. I mean, you did have to do some other dancing. Yeah, and what's crazy about that is that um, on the tour, there are two understudies for Fiero. One is kind of the more singing understudy that has a couple of like solo vocal lines in the show. Like the, he, I think he sings the first, no, no, it's a record. He sings that and he sings something in the opening of act two. And then the other, Fiero understudy is like the more dancey understudy. Oh my gosh. And somehow I got cast in the more dancey <laughs> understudy. Um, it will never cease to amaze me. But yeah, I I had like six or seven lifts throughout. I was in all of Oz Dust. Um, yeah, it was a very, very dancey role. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so much fun. Um, Beautiful dancing all, in Oz Dust. It's so cool. And all the way through Ozdust, it's just like you're moving costume change to costume change, different song, production number to production number. And it's just fast paced and so much fun. And uh, I love being in the ensemble of the show. Wow. You must be, you must have been like, wait, is this like, are you sure you cast, you put the right person on the dance track? <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. But um, as I said, I, I'm super body aware and and I was able to kind of like pick up things as I went along. And also I worked really, really hard behind the scenes outside of rehearsal. So I would leave rehearsal and then I would go back to my hotel room or wherever I was in Airbnb or something like that in Little Rock. And I would just drill it over and over and over for hours on end until I was ready to come in the next day and, and do it exactly perfect. Hey, and that's, I mean, I think when you go into an audition room, people see like what kind of worker you're going to be behind the scenes. And they're like, oh, this person is going to go and learn and perfect this. Totally. Well, but the, okay, I'm going to get on my soapbox here, actually. Do it, um, do it. This is, this is something that's kind of bothered me about the musical theater world in that you don't actually get to show off your hard work with when it comes to dance calls because you're expected to be able to go in there and just learn it right there on the fly. And so that's a disadvantage to people like me that can't necessarily pick it up right there in the room, but will go home at night and work for hours on end to get it step perfect the next day. Whereas with acting and singing, they give you the sides ahead of time, sometimes as much as like a week ahead of time. And you have all of this time to, to work on it, to memorize it, to get together with a coach, to coach on it, to get together with your voice coach, your voice teacher. And you do all of this perfecting and you have all this time to work on it. Whereas dancing, you go in and you're supposed to know it in 10 minutes. It's just such a weird world for me. And I've, I've never understand, understood why the two disciplines are so much different and you're expected to do so much uh, different kinds of work than dancing. But anyway, soapbox done. 
it's crazy that is crazy mm-hmm. to think about because like dancing is so complex totally absolutely and, and and as i said like for me being someone that has a huge background in music and sight reading if i were to go in with other people that are maybe more dancers and actors that don't have a lot of music ability and the music director said here's the music be prepared to do it in three minutes three or four minutes i'd be like hell yeah i got this no problem because i can just read the uh, spots off the page but then the person that maybe could go home and work on it for a couple of days and nail it in the audition will be vastly underprepared because they can't sight read so it's just it's an interesting world musical theater but it's all worked out I'm curious, who was the first person that realized that like you could sing and hold a tune and like that you were really good at singing? You know, probably my mom. Uh, My mom and both my parents were music majors in college. Uh, My mom was a music education major and my dad was a trumpet performance major. So I was always around it. I sang with my parents and my sister um, growing up. Um, we called ourselves like the Von Litz family singers and we would like sing at church and things like that. And so I, I think they, they said that I was harmonizing by like age three. I, I had an ear for it and could pick it up really, really quick. And, um, but no, I didn't really take it seriously as a profession until late twenties. Wow. What kind of, I know like the Olympic trials kind of like flipped that, but what, else kind of flipped that i mean you must have been so proud after the olympic trials to like have gotten there honestly i know um yes yes and no i mean it's it's a pretty disappointing um thing to work that hard and then not not have it work out the way you want to so i i i look back on it now with nothing but um pride and and admiration for what i was able to accomplish but at the time it just felt like a complete failure so uh it was easy it wasn't easy to move on but it was easier than you might think to move on because um it, it was mainly just frustration at that point um but i think one there were a couple of big catalysts for me to find musical theater the first thing was I saw a uh, I saw a solo concert by Bobby McFerrin. Um, do you know him? He's the I guy know. that sings the what? he sings "Don't Don't Worry, Be Happy." The ooh, wait! I'll have to go and and type this in later. Yeah, it's like a it's I'm gonna say it was a late '80s, early '90s song, um, but he does these solo jazz concerts where he goes out on stage by himself in bare feet dreadlocks ripped jeans and a microphone by himself and blows your mind it is so unbelievable and i remember sitting in the audience in modesto california and he did this arrangement of somewhere over the rainbow and it was just so life-changing and it was one of those moments where I was sitting there and at the time I was an engineering major I was studying engineering oh my gosh and and I was like I want to do this I want to make people feel how I feel right now what he's doing to me I want to do to other people so um the next semester I switched to vocal performance and I eventually one semester right towards the end of my career uh, in in school, I had to do a musical as part of the curriculum. And uh, this is the other catalyst that have helped me find musical theater. I wasn't really interested in it, but it, it was I I had to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made it through school. <laughs> um, and so it was the sound of music. And I was I was one of the older older guys at the school and so and I was also bigger so they cast me as the captain and and I absolutely fell in love with it. Not a bad role to play. Oh my gosh. So much fun. I always pictured myself more as like a role. Um but 
because of the nature of my uh, physical type and my voice type is a little lower and that sort of thing, it just, it lent itself well to, to the captain. Um, I learned how to play guitar for that show. Um, for like two months, I just worked my butt off to learn how to play just two songs to be able to survive. And, um, and I fell in love with it. I thought it was so much fun. And, and those were the two real catalysts that helped me find musical theater, Bobby McFerrin and then sound music. And like, what an acting role too for you. Honestly, yes. I would love to play the captain again in like a bigger setting at some point, maybe in like, like 15 me? years or something. Yeah, yeah, the Muni would be cool. Or even if they did like a revival on Broadway or something like that in 10, 15 years. Yes. Um, I think, man, the captain's just such a juicy acting role and it's so much fun and I would love to do it again. I'm curious because we like the um, concert, do you get inspired when like you're sitting far back in a theater, but you can like still like feel all the emotion a performer is like putting into the performance on stage, even if you like can't see facial expressions? Totally. I think it kind of depends on the show. It depends on the performance. Um, I think if it's a show like Wicked, you can sit further away and still feel that emotional impact of the show because it's such a spectacle. Like one short day is huge, defying gravity is massive. Like all of these massive like light and costume numbers that are just so powerful. But I think if it's a smaller show, I saw Parade recently. Yes. Um, and I sat too far away. I think I needed to be like, I, I was up in the mezzanine yeah, I was just too far away to really feel the emotion from from the actors, and it wasn't their fault at all. It was just that, like, because it's it's a more intimate show and the numbers are so much more intimate, I needed to be closer in order to see the passion in their their eyes and 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 feel them a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I think it just depends on the show. Yeah, I always am like amazed by. I think it says a lot when you're like in the back, like for Lion King, I was in the back one time and like I was crying and I couldn't. Oh, absolutely. and again, that's a perfect show. You can sit anywhere in the audience and yes. you're going to be in tears. Yeah. I mean, like just like Defying Gravity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can sit anywhere and once she goes up and flies in the air, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> this is the <laughs> most magical thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. no doubt. So I want to talk about your, about um, regional shows real quick before I get into Wicked. Okay. okay. So what is your favorite regional show or college production of a show that you've done and why? Oh man. Um, can I include like community theater type stuff? Of course. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I, I did, there were two, two roles that I always look back at as being like really transformative for me. The first one was West Side Story. It was the first show I did right after Sound of Music that sort of confirmed to me that this was something that I really wanted to do because I left Sound of Music thinking, wow, that was really a good time. Should I do this? Do I actually have any talent for this? Or is it just something that I enjoyed doing for a short period of time? Um, so I auditioned for a local theater company called Good Company Players in Fresno, California. And actually, Audrey McDonald grew up doing shows there, which is kind of fun. I saw Wicked um, in Fresno a couple of years ago. <laughs> no way, at the Soroyan? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I went to college in Fresno, so I like know that area really, really well. I took the train um, down. <laughs> so much fun, very, very cool. Yes. Um, so I... Uh, I auditioned for West Side Story that this local community theater was doing. And the cool thing about that particular theater is a dinner theater company. And they their shows run for a really long time. Usually with community theater, it's like a couple of weekends. This was like two months of five shows a week. So it was like a really good opportunity to... Um, 
see if I could handle doing that many shows and see how I would grow throughout the process of doing like 40 shows of West Side Story. Um, and that show completely confirmed to, to me that I am obsessed with musical theater. To this day, I think West Side Story is still my favorite musical of all time. Not necessarily because I did the show, but just because I think the music is, is timeless Yes. And it never gets old to me. I can put on the soundtrack and listen to it over and over and over and over. And I love it every time. And um, the dancing aspect too in the show. Oh my gosh. The gym dance scene is just so cool. It's so, so cool. It's crazy. Um, I'm trying to picture it at, at a dinner theater. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it's been so long now that I can't really remember if we did anything like kind of off the wall. Um, I can't remember if we did or not um, because the space isn't huge. It's not a massive space. So it's not like we could really go into the, I know it, at times we were probably in the audience, but um, again, it's been, it's been forever. Amazing. That's, that'd be such a cool setting to see West Side Story or any big show in, honestly. It's yeah, like, it's really, it's really intimate. Like you feel like the audience is just like kind of sitting in your lap the whole time. Well, basically they are. They <laughs> basically are. Setting. Yeah, yeah, basically they are. Yeah. So, and then the other show that I did was Dogfight. Um, do you know Dogfight? I do. I saw a production of it a, in like 2016 in Los Angeles at the uh, Hudson Theater. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I did a production of Dogfight also in Fresno with a di different theater company. Um, and that was like, oh my gosh, it was amazing. It, it was a very hard show. Yeah. Um, for me, that was my alphabet as far as like the vocal difficulties that Eddie Birdlace has to battle especially because the whole musical culminates in that final song come back yes. where you're just wailing for like three minutes straight um and so i had to like change a lot about my lifestyle in order to su to survive the show so i like gave up soda i didn't drink any alcohol like i like did all of these things in order to survive the show um, control and willpower and, that takes <laughs> yeah and you know it's crazy that was 2016 2015 something like that um and i haven't had soda or alcohol since yes just because i got to the end of it and i was like you know what i feel pretty good maybe this is just a good life decision so uh so i hung it up and haven't haven't had it any of that since hey hey yeah. Well, you, I mean, you figured, you figured out what makes you like feel good as a performer and gives you yeah. the stamina. When yeah, well, and, and, and it really pays off now that I've kind of learned that about myself for eight shows a week. Um, yes. Because it, it really makes a difference. Speaking of changing your entire lifestyle, mm -hmm. national tours kind of change your entire, entire lifestyle because you're yeah. traveling. I mean, with Wicked, I feel like there's more like a sit down tour stop in most mm -hmm. cities and it's like over two weeks. But yeah. how do you prepare once you like get the call that you booked a role to go and head out on the, ro on the road? And then on top of that, you're stepping into rehearsal process, like the rehearsal process and you're learning all the blocking. Yeah, there's a whole life upheaval that happens when you join a national tour. Um, the great thing about a show like Wicked is that it's a machine and they have every fine detail worked out to the scent. Um, so you don't really have to worry about anything. Um, they, I mean, they send you the script ahead of time. They cover your flights. They cover your food and expenses and everything like that. It's like it's it's the it's the dream show to to be a part of. Um, so while you are leaving your life behind, you don't have to worry about anything but wicked and having a good time. Um, I love tour life. I thought it was so much fun. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, I. 
I love traveling and I love going to all of these cool cities and sitting down. As you said, we sit down for long periods of time. We were in Boston for seven weeks, Chicago for seven weeks, uh, Chicago for 10. Um, what did I say? DC, did I say DC? Yeah, I mean, we, we sat down in amazing cities. I, I could not have been, could not be more happy with the schedule that I got because I got to play Sacramento as well, which was really special for me because it's like 30, 30 minutes from where I grew up. And um, we also played LA and I spent a ton of time in the Costa Mesa area growing up. Um, so the tour life was amazing. And yeah, it, it's, it's not that it's not as bad as you think um leaving your life behind to, to go out on tour so i'm curious where did you grow up because you mentioned modesto earlier and i know there's a wicked alum that is also from modesto or close by so oh yeah i i was born in uh, uh born and raised in stockton california okay um I lived there for the majority of my life. I went to high school in Lodi, California. I went to college in Fresno. So I spent like 26 years of my life in California. And then I moved out to Orlando. Um, oh, ah, and for Orlando, I assume that moving out there was the, for uh, Disney World. Correct. Yes, which is really cool performing at oh Disney World. Oh my gosh. I loved it. Wicked. Yeah, no doubt. Jeez. I know it was it was so cool. I've gotten to be a part of like these big, famous um, shows and companies. I, I I went from Disney World, and then I did the the Radio City Christmas Spectacular with the Rockettes, which also felt very Disney. And then Wicked, which also feels kind of Disney. It's just like these huge iconic shows that I've gotten to be a part of. Definitely cool. spectacles. Do you yes. have? Do you have a, a favorite memory from tour life and what, like, what, what is it and why? Oh man. You're like all that's, of them. That's really hard because there were so many amazing cities and amazing moments, um, on, on tour. Um, as far as like unique adventures go, um, my wife and I went horseback riding in the Saguaro National Park, um, in Arizona. And that, that was just one of the coolest things that we did the entire tour. It was like just the two of us on horses and a guide, um, riding and it was in January. So the temperature was perfect, but it was like a beautiful sunny day and you get out you're, you're riding out through the desert and then eventually you get into the Sorrow National Park and these cacti that just look cartoonish, they're so perfect, like 25 feet tall, 25, I guess they can get as tall as like 40 feet tall, but they were these beautiful, magnificent cacti everywhere. And it was just the most perfect day, perfect temperature. Our horses were amazing, and I always look back on that um, experience as one of the coolest things we did the entire tour. That's that's like an opportunity that like it's a it's like an opportunity that I feel like people one don't think of, but it's like an opportunity that a lot of people like never get a chance to actually go and do, which is really cool. Yeah, and and that was just one thing of so many cool things that we got to do on tour. Um, it's just one that I always remember, but um, it's so hard to pick just one adventure or moment um, because I was lucky enough to have my wife out there on, on tour with me. And so all of our days off, we would like go so out and explore the cities. And I mean, we were in DC, so we got to see uh, the Capitol. We went bowling at the White House. Um, we like I jogged along the mall and felt like Captain America every day. And it was just like, it was such a cool experience. Yes. And what is it like, what was it like stepping in on like on stage to as not only like in the ensemble, but also as Fiero on the national tour and making your national tour debut in a show like Wicked? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was an absolute dream come true, especially getting to take over as as Fiero. Um, yes. The first, the first time that I went on for Fiero was before the pandemic, actually. Um, I want to say Baltimore, March 4th or something like that. Um, so oh literally, God. like right before the pandemic. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but it was super cool because Kurt um, had personal days. Uh, he was our principal of Fiero at the time. Um, he had personal days coming up and I knew ahead of time that I was going to get to go on. So I was able to have Julie fly out and her parents came out and my dad and my sister and my, my best friend, Tim, like so many people were able to come out and see my very first time going on for Fiero in, in Baltimore. And it was just amazing. Talia and Allison were super supportive the entire way. Um, I had like a hint of nervousness right as I started dancing through life. And then <laughs> actually it's kind of funny. I, uh, it's uh, right at the top of the song and learn to live the unexamined life. And when I got to the life, I could feel my upper lip just kind of start to like <laughs> twitch a little bit with nervousness. And I felt, I felt Allison's eyes like move down to my lip. And I was like, don't look at it. Don't look at it. It's going to make me not nervous. Not scared. I'm not scared. Um, not nervous at all. But then once the song started moving, all the nerves washed away and and it was a blast the complete rest of the way. Well, I mean, I feel like you feel the the audience's energy too. And like, you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Like this is going great. Absolutely. Great. And I realized that like, I, I had done so much preparation for that moment yes. that I knew it all. And I, and everything was gonna happen the way it was supposed to. I was so prepared that nothing was gonna go wrong. Um, I think Julie Andrews was quoted saying, uh, amateurs practice till they get it right. Professionals practice till it can't go wrong. And so that's kind of always been my mindset, um, to just drill it until you literally cannot mess it up. Yes. Until you're very, very, very confident. In yeah. yeah you're exactly. doing on stage too, because yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. So I'm curious, how did your Fiero change from the first time you went on to when the show came back after the like in after the pandemic? Because I know you got, if I remember right, you got a week or so in Dallas or two weeks. I got the last three. Okay. So Kurt did the first two. I did the last three, and then I think I did three in. Charlotte as well. Yeah, Charlotte was the following city. So I did the next three in Charlotte and then Kurt came back to finish out Charlotte, Appleton, and then I took over in Cincinnati. So I think all in all, I was in I was in the ensemble track for about two months, two and a half months or something like that. Um, but I would say my fear changed quite a bit just in the rehearsal process alone because when you learn a show that's long running like Wicked or Lion King or Hamilton, you learn it alone in a rehearsal studio or on stage with a stage manager and a dance dance captain. And that's all you get. Um, so you don't really get an opportunity to let the 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 dialogue simmer and and grow and develop because you don't have an opportunity to bounce it off of anybody really. Um, they'll bring in some understudies occasionally to to run a scene with you and run the and run the blocking, but um, that's not the same as like doing it night in, night out, or going through an actual rehearsal process where a director is is molding you and and working with you on things. So I was fortunate enough when we relaunched the show. Um, that they brought out the entire original creative team to help us relaunch the show. And since they oh, knew that I was they knew that I was taking over for Kurt at that point, um, they split rehearsal time between Kurt and I for the entire rehearsal process. So I got to work with Joe Mantello and I got to work with um, Stephen Schwartz and I got to work with Stephen Arenas 
and uh, Wayne Salento, like all of these people that like helped launch the original show, I got to hear their original intent behind the dance moves or the, the lines of the show or whatever from the original creators, which I, I think helped um, mold and shape my Fiero in a completely different way from that very first time that I went on in Baltimore. Wow. I mean, in a way, you all kind of like relaunched the show in a different yeah. era. Yeah, absolutely. And it, what was so cool is it, it bonded us together in a way that like when that first person left from the COVID cast, it was like it, we took it really hard because we had been through something together um, that was so unique and so unlike any other performing experience. It almost felt like we were re we were making a new Broadway show um, because we had spent so much rehearsal time together and, and so many Zooms together over the pandemic. Um, that cast was really, really close. Yes. And I mean, I know that you all got like national attention from Broadway fans when it came back in Dallas and I was like oh yeah. this is cool nothing cool musical theater wise ever happens in Dallas so this is great I am so excited. yeah I'm yeah well you know it's and what wait so are you from Dallas or are you from I'm from Dallas but I moved to uh California okay got it got where in California are you now I'm in Burbank oh fun okay yeah. cool, cool, cool. I love Dallas. I thought it was a blast. It was one of my favorite cities that we had on tour. Um, the food there is yes, top notch. I mean, we had all of the barbecue and it's still my favorite barbecue in the entire country. It's so um, good. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, where were we? We were talking about the show. The like relaunch kind of of the show. And yeah, I think I, I had something that I was going to say, but now I can't remember what it was. So. <laughs> It'll come to you, and then you can just yeah. go, hey, hey, wait, I remember. <laughs> well, even like three days from now, it'll come come to me, and then I'll yeah, be like, yeah. oh, I, gotta, I had to tell Becca that. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, oh I remembered. <laughs> I'll message you, and you can like edit it in. Yes. So when did you get, did you get asked to do Broadway? How did that work? Because like, that's such a huge deal to go from, I mean, I know that a lot of, they take a lot of national tour cast members to Broadway after the national tour, but it's still such a huge deal to like get the creative team's attention enough to have them be like, hey, can you like come and play this part on Broadway too? Yeah, I always kind of say that my, my audition for Broadway happened in Dallas um, because all of the creative team was there watching me learn the show. And I actually did the first invited or the only invited dress um, before we opened. So we officially opened on that Tuesday, like August 3rd or something, which was yesterday, right? I think yeah, it was well, August 3rd. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on that August 1st, we had an invited dress rehearsal for, I want to say like 1,500 first responders or something like that. Um, so Joe Mantello wanted to see me do it um, in front of an audience because, yeah, you can see someone do it like in a rehearsal setting, but he wanted to see it full out with costumes in front of people and, and everything. So I got to do that like first performance for like an audience after like a year and a half of no musicals. Um, so that was like a, 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 a jumping off point for me as far as, as the, the, the growth of my Fiero into making it to Broadway. Um, but the actual official story is that when I got to the uh, I want to say we were in Chicago in October of last year. My manager called me and said, so I just got on the phone with Wicked. Um, you are going to be finished with the tour in February, um, officially. And the plan is to move you to Broadway. We don't have a time. We don't have a timeline yet. We don't know exactly when it 
most likely will be in the May, May area. Um, and I was like, are, are we, are we celebrating? Like, I'm so, he, he was just so nonchalant about it. And I couldn't tell if like, we were supposed to be excited about it. I, yeah, I, I had no idea. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, but he was like, it's not an official offer at all at this point. It's just them talking. And I was like, okay, great. And so I didn't hear anything. This was like the beginning of October. I didn't hear or get an official offer to join the Broadway company until my last week of tour in February. Oh my. So I sat around for like four wait, wait. months not knowing for sure whether this was actually going to happen. I had a really good feeling because every time like Stephen Aremis would come into town or Dan Michike, who's the director, uh, music director here, or uh, Lisa Lavuio, like all of these people that are um, involved in the decision-making of the show, whenever they came out to see the tour, they would kind of be like, hey, hey see, you in a, see you in a couple months, like Broadway. that kind of thing. Like, so I, I was, I felt encouraged, but also, I didn't have an official offer, so I didn't yeah. want to get too excited or count my chickens or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, the official offer came in February and then I joined the company, uh, I opened May 17th or something like that. Wow. That, yeah. and you also like the stage is so different from the national tour to Broadway because I mean, I feel like it's widely known now that like you all perform on a rape stage on Broadway mm -hmm. as opposed to just like the touring stages and the set yeah. is also completely different I feel like than on yeah, the Yeah I, I would say that's the biggest difference between the two the two productions um it's basically the exact same show um except for that we have trap doors here yes. um we have a, we have a staircase off here on the on the right the rope swing is a little bit different the rope swing here is way more fun than on tour um the tour one yeah the tour one you are actually swung on by uh the stage crew so you just hold on and then you have two guys that like pull ropes and bring you in whereas oh. here it's literally just a pendulum that the, the rope is like hooked up 40 feet in the air and you just swing in so it's all your own manpower which makes it more scary Yes. More scary and much more fast, um, but I like it better. I'm oh a great seeker and I love it. It always looks so fun, and I feel like I feel like all the fieros that I've seen do that look like they're really enjoying themselves doing doing that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, won't, I won't name names, but there are a couple of guys that are terrified of it and hate it. Um, I'm not one of those guys. I think it's a blast. I think it's so much fun. Well, it's like, what if you lose your grip or something? <laughs> oh, totally. And you don't realize, a lot of people don't realize that you're holding the gun as well. Oh when my you're God. Swinging in. You're holding so, yeah. so really you're just kind of okay. using one hand to hold onto the rope and the other hand is more just like a guide that you're holding onto with your gun as well. So um, I mean. yeah. It's, it's a little scary the first time you do it, but um, I think it's so much fun. One of the it's coolest probably like muscle memory eventually. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, for sure. What's it like doing Dancing Through Life on a rake stage versus the national tour stage? You want to know something that's really funny is that I haven't thought about the rake one time since I've been here. Good for real, people, honestly. People always talk about how the rake like wrecks their ankles or their feet or their knees or whatever, and it like tears their body up. I, I, I think I had more aches and pains on the tour than I did here. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like being in the same bed every night and like having a routine, or it was maybe the three months off that I had in between tour and here that my body had to rest or whatever it is. Um, I haven't thought about the rake one time. Um, and Kira has this little tour at the end of, um, Dancing Through Life. Uh, it's just life. And then he does a, a little single turn tour. And on the tour, uh, the actual tour, the national tour, it kind of 
one once out of every like 60 performances it would like go a little squirrely and i'd have like my feet would come apart or something like that um but here on an angle you're like has, i i haven't messed it up one time and i don't it makes no sense there's no reason for it because i'm on a angle here so you would think that being on a flat surface it would be easier but i'm not going to question it at this point hey. knock on wood that hey. it's not going to mess up you you the challenge is good the yeah yeah good. i'm going to keep it I'm and it probably it. helps that you're like not thinking about it as you're performing yeah yeah i mean i i have like a couple of things like a, a couple of like uh cues that i think of in order to like jump straight up jump land straight down like a couple of little things that i think about every single time that i do it um but yeah it's 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 700 performances in at this point like it's pretty second nature have you created any comedic bits like as fiero that like are like yours and you're like very proud of because i think fiero is very fun to play with gosh you know i don't think anything is original at this point with wicked like the show has been running for so long there have been so many Fieros at this point. I don't even know what's mine and what I have stolen from other Fieros. Like, I, I I feel like there are moments that I'm like, oh yeah, that's mine. But then maybe not. Maybe I stole that from someone. Um, I'm trying to think of anything that is originally, that feels original to me, but. Well, I feel like I just like you, you're different than the other people who have played the role in the past, which is going to make like your performance different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, me as as Jordan going on on stage is obviously going to influence and and mold the character a certain way yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you learn from the people that have come before you um, so that you don't have to go out there and and reinvent the wheel. I, I think Kirk was a fantastic Fiero. So having him to watch and learn from in the in the short time that I was in the ensemble, um, he's one of the best acting Fieros out there. I remember sitting um, in the rehearsal room. It was such a weird process because you had we had all the principals with like Joe Mantello and Lisa Liguio and all that stuff, and then two Fieros, which was just such a weird thing to like split between the two of us and he did, he handled it so well I know that there are probably like people out there in the musical theater world that like would have been really threatened or like uncomfortable with having someone there like kind of pushing back with you and like sharing rehearsal time with you um but he was super supportive and really cool the whole way but I remember sitting there in that in that room and he and Talia would do the scene and I was like man he is so freaking good. Just like such a grounded, real actor. I think in musical theater, especially with Wicked, a lot of times it gets very, uh, very performing and like over the top and campy. Um, and I never got that sense with him. He always just felt like a, a real human on stage. Um, so that was what I um, tried to emulate a lot of. Um, him and I think Norbert were like, two fantastic grounded real humans as as heroes um and i love that about their characters well having gotten to see you in dallas i feel like i feel like you definitely did that and you made fear real thank you thank you so i'm go kind of going off that before i get into like last questions about wicked i want to yeah. ask do you ever have do you ever have the goal on certain days to like go on stage and try to deliver a line a certain like a funny line a certain way and hopefully make someone break character a little <laughs> you know um not so much here um i haven't gotten i haven't quite gotten there yet with um Alyssa and mckenzie because we just haven't had enough time to like let our our friendships um get there i think mackenzie and i are are almost there because i see of all of the people in the entire building glenda and fiero are the 
two people that interact the most off stage. Um, she and I have a lot of off stage time together. Um, but Alphaba, I never see. I He's never. Funny. Once the show starts, I never see her. She's on stage. I'm off stage. I'm on stage. She's off stage. Or we're on stage together, and we are Alphaba and Fierro, and not Alyssa yeah. and Jordan. So it's it's much more difficult to foster that friendship with Alphaba. You have to really go out of your way to make it happen, um, which is why I try and go into the into the Green Girls dressing room like at fifteen before the showtime, so I can have a chance to like talk to her and get to know her and see how her day was and that that kind of stuff. Um, but no, I haven't haven't had too many opportunities to to break break the girls here yet but with jennifer and lissa jennifer and lissa it happens all the time train scene train scene yes. is a mess oh my yeah. gosh I, we yeah we should have been fired a couple of times but we uh yeah, we, that we so fun we had a good time let's just put it that way oh my gosh it makes it so fun because i feel like a ton of people like come to see the tour in multiple cities and they're like what is going to happen today that is going to be brand new and that I'm never yeah. yeah absolutely and when you get to that point to where you feel safe enough to where you can like explore other deliveries of lines and you know that that's not necessarily going to throw off your scene partner that gets it keeps it fresh for you it keeps it fresh for the audience that has seen the show a million times my wife has seen the show like 26 times now um and i think she still likes it so hey she's keeping a tally does she have like lists of people that she's seen in the show well it's it's all me <laughs> i think she before before we got together she had seen the show like four times four or five times or something hey. like that um so since i've been in it she's seen it like 20 something times oh my gosh i i love that supportive yep very supportive well, that and also it's like when friends and family come into a city um to come see the show she doesn't want to be like okay have fun at the show and then she like stays at home alone so right. she'll always she'll always like go along with them to to see the uh, show oh yeah. i love that so before i ask my last question about wicked i want to ask how are broadway audiences different from national tour audiences they're super hit or miss um yeah and i and i knew i knew that going into it because i had been pre-warned by people that had done the tour before um going into broadway because you get a lot of it it's it's a tourist attraction here whereas mm -hmm. when you go on the road um you have all of these people that are like theater goers that are excited to go and see like the biggest thing that's come to their town all month um so especially the smaller towns the best audiences were like some of the smaller towns um whereas when we went to bigger cities like chicago or boston yes we would have some really good audiences but we'd also have some crickets as well, because I think those bigger cities just have kind of more things that pull their audience's attention and time. Um, for instance, when we were in Boston, the NBA finals was happening across the street. So it's oh, like, no. <laughs> there are a lot of huge entertainment opportunities. Not to say that we weren't sold out every time because Wicked yes. sold out every single time. But the audiences are can be in the bigger cities can be more subdued at times, and then in the other nights they'll be absolutely bonkers, and that's kind of how it's been here on Broadway. Um, we'll have like a, a Wednesday night show that's just a complete snooze fest, and then like a Friday a Friday night will be just rambunctious and crazy and explosive, and uh, it just depends on the night and. And who's there? And then there's always that one person in the audience during the snooze fest that's like cheering really loudly, and they're like, and then they really oh, yeah. by themselves, and then they're like, oh wait, or or like someone that just laughs a little too much at the jokes, and and yes. then it sets us off, and yeah, it's dangerous. Yes, and also 
I mean, I've seen it. A, I've seen it a couple of times on Broadway. I've seen it more on the tour. But like people taking out their cell phones at the Gershwin too. I don't even know how they get reception. They. I don't understand how they get reception either because I don't have any reception in that building. Nothing. Oh. Like I've tried to take out my phone in in the Gershwin. Like when I was like watching the show when I um, first came back into the show at like intermission, I tried to take out my phone. And I couldn't get anything, nothing. nothing. So I don't understand what you're even doing unless they're trying to take a picture or video. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say, I never notice that stuff. I'm rarely like distracted by stuff that happens in the audience, um, unless it's like a particularly loud laugh or a funny laugh or someone that's doing something crazy in the audience. Or someone making a phone call in the audience. <laughs> Someone you was know, doing that when I saw it at the Gershwin one time, and I was like, what? There's no, no signal. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, there's uh, literally yeah. no signal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's no good. Can't do that. Can't do that. So my last question about Wicked is, what do you think makes Wicked a show that has stuck around for so long and that has, like, upheld its popularity throughout the years? I think it's because it's a a coming of age tale that will always resonate with a new young generation coming up every single every single time you have new young girls and boys that fall in love with this show and then grow up with that nostalgia of experiencing wicked for the first time and listening to it all they're growing up and they love it all all their life long so i think that Wicked has the potential to be the longest running Broadway show of all time, just because it never goes out of style with with the youths, if you will. Um, it it's always relevant every uh, every every time a new generation of kids comes in. I mean, and every night, like you're gonna be someone's first Piero on stage. And, oh man, I can't tell you how many people. That wasn't necessarily true on the tour. I didn't feel like I got that as much on tour when I met people at the stage door. But here at the stage door, I, I'm constantly meeting everybody that's like, this was my first Broadway show, or this is my my son or my daughter's first Broadway show. It's like, I meet a lot of first Broadway show people at the stage door um, here at the Gershwin. And I think that's just because a lot of people that come to New York for the first time Wicked is like the bucket list Broadway show that you want to see. That and Lion King, I would say, are like the like the two shows that you have to check off your bucket list. So I saw that on Broadway in New York. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of bucket lists, actually, what is on your Broadway slash theater bucket list as a performer? Well, I want to originate something. I think it would be fun to originate a role. Um, I don't know what that is yet. Um, something, something that I can be the first of. You know, when you think of, when you think of Evan Hansen, you think of Ben Platt. Like, no matter how many guys come after him, it will always be Ben Platt. When you uh, think of um, Hamilton, you always think of Lin Manuel Miranda. Like, whoever that original person is that will always be who you're compared to no matter how long the show is running um so i'd be i'd love to be the first fiero or whatever that is i don't know what the show is but it's out there and and it's waiting for me it's gonna happen it's gonna happen yeah. we're manifesting yeah. it right now let's go put it in the universe yes so is there anyone who inspires you in the theater world or like inspires you as a performer who's not in the theater world? Um, that, oh man, so many people come to mind. Um, from a performing aspect, I would say Jeremy Jordan was the first person that I saw that made me think that I was the type of person that could do musical theater. Because um, up until that point, I thought of musical theater as like Broadway and tap dancing and sequins. And like, that's just like not me at all. Um, and then I saw Jeremy Jordan do a concert, not live, but I saw like 
YouTube videos of him doing a concert in, in LA. Um, and he sang stuff from like the last five years and he sang Santa Fe from Newsies. And I was like, wow, this guy makes the like musical theater something that I feel like I fit into. Um, so from a performing aspect, Jeremy Jordan, for sure. From a human aspect, um, I've gotten to meet Norm Lewis a few times now. I saw him and, <laughs> and he is just the coolest guy. Um, he and I love how how special he makes you feel. Um, and it's everyone, everyone that he talks to, and and anyone that's ever met Norm will say, "Oh my gosh, he stood there and he talked to me at the stage door for like fifteen minutes," or like I bumped him bumped into him on the street and he was just the nicest guy. Like I just I think um, emulating that sort of human quality, um, I think that to me is more important than the, the accolades and the Tony Awards and whatever things that I may have the opportunity to win down the line. I would so much rather be remembered for um, being the the person that made you feel special and the person that made you feel like the only person in the world as I was talking to you. I just, and that's what he does. Um, he came to see us in, in DC when we were at the Kennedy Center. Um, Wicked was there and his a Soldier's Play was there as well. So we kind of crossed over a little bit. So we spent um, uh, New Year's Eve with the Soldiers Play cast. So we we're all hanging out and he's just like the friendliest, kindest human you could possibly imagine. And he was super complimentary of the show and what I did. And um, yeah, Norm Lewis, as far as like human qualities go in, in oh my the gosh. performing world. I love, I, like even little human qualities, like it, before you're seeing a Broadway show in New York and you're, and you like see the person who you're about to see on stage walking down the middle of the street like yeah i've noticed andre day shields walks down literally the middle of the street in new york city uh -huh. yeah. and i'm like i've seen him like three times walking yeah. like down the street towards cars and i'm like he's crazy first of all and also well, and you can't and you can't miss him because i can't i i cannot think of anyone that looks more distinct than him just from his facial features to his like oh. frame and the way he walks is sort of like like alien gliding I don't know how to describe oh. it but it's so unique to him and I I had the same experience I when I was doing rehearsals for Legally Blonde um in Long Island our rehearsal space was right next to the Walter Kerr where Hadestown is and at, during like a lunch break, I saw him walking on over to the theater and I was like, oh my God, that is, that's the guy. That's I mean, Hermes, oh my gosh. Getting to the last questions. First of all, before I ask about like social media and stuff, how do you work on self-confidence in this industry? Oh, that's, that's such a tough question. Because um, everybody approaches it in a different way. Um, I think I have the advantage of not growing up in musical theater and growing up an athlete. And I think that helped, helped ground me in a, in a way that I, I think musical or just performing the performing people in general struggle with because you grow up constantly being assessed on your art. Um, and I didn't grow up with that. I grew up in, in the athletic world where it's so much more objective. Mm -hmm. um with especially with swimming you get your hand on the wall first doesn't matter who you are or where you came from you're the best in the world um so that's it was a very black and white cut and dry sort of um thing that gave me really thick skin because i lost a lot of races throughout my life. i won a lot as well but i lost a lot so you get used to that kind of um that kind of beat down that you take in the athletic world that prepared me for the beat down that I would take in, in this world. And I think it also comes down to the, the group of friends that you have around you and the support group that you have. Um, I've, my family's always been very, very supportive of what I've, what I've been interested in. 
Um, and then I have the absolute greatest wife in the world as far as her backing of, of me and, and love of what I do. Uh, we've, we've really been a team um, attacking this Broadway, Broadway dream ever since we met. Yeah, love that. And that's so important, I feel like, to find, like, not only like a, not only like a best friend, but like someone who's supportive of your dreams and like, by, yeah. Well, absolutely. And there, you know, there are nights when I come home from the show and I just hated what I did. And I, I like get really down on myself and I don't necessarily want to unload that on my fellow castmates because that doesn't boost morale backstage if you're just complaining about stuff. But I can come here to Julie and, oh my gosh, I, that's all I do is complain. <laughs> probably like, uh, but, you're fine. You're acting you're fine. ridiculous. Yeah, yes, she's probably um, like, not being your own toughest critic. <laughs> totally. And that's exactly what she says. And, and it talks me off the ledge. And, and then I go back out and I do it the next day. Yes. So where can people follow you on social media to keep up with you, to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, I would say that I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I am not the best at social media, but I, I attempt to be. I was really good at it on tour because I felt like going to each new city like inspired me to post new things and, and all that stuff. But now that I'm stationary, I, I find that I've just kind of settled into my, my, my hermit ways and, and like I'll post something here occasionally, here and there. And, um, but yeah. I would say Instagram is the, is the best way to keep up with me. I'll get on TikTok someday. And I'll post the link in the description in the lower thirds. Lastly, is there anything you want to promote that isn't Wicked related, isn't Broadway related, or that is musical theater related, or do you just want to tell people to come see Wicked? Oh man, just come see Wicked. At this point, like I'm not doing anything else but Wicked and preparing for this baby. Um, that's like I, my my uh, my team here at home is about to grow oh. um, exponentially. So between the wife and the baby and the dog um, and Wicked, I've I've got my hands full. So just come see Wicked. I hope the baby gets to see Wicked some someday. Well, I think we'll we'll get her backstage at some point. Uh, I think I will be long gone before uh, before she's old enough to understand Wicked and, and yeah. what I do and and actually see it. But we'll we'll get we'll sneak a picture backstage. Like memories, little memories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we'll show her a picture of thirty years from now and be like, "Hey, check it out." Yeah, and then you can like take her to the show and be like, and "Hey, say, you remember this?" This was pretty cool. Full circle. Yeah, yes. well, and we can't we can't wait to take her to Disney World as well, just because Julie was a Disney princess for eleven years, and oh, I was there for three and a half years. So that place in particular is really special for us. So walking down Main Street with with her is going to be really special. We like Disney Disney parents for her. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! It's a dream. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me to chat today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching this episode of Backstage with Becca B. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Becca B Talks TV. Or for more exclusive content from this interview and more, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Backstage with Becca B. Make sure to subscribe to my channel and like this video. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me a five-star rating. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time. Bye! Until next time, stay swanky fine.